You're listening to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. We ask people about what's intrinsically wrong with the American political system. You'll hear a lot of people say it's the fact that it's a two-party system. It's like watching sports sometimes, right? One team takes shots to score political points. The other team waits its turn and fires back to score their own points. And it's this us-versus-them attitude toward policymaking that makes it seem like the average American who's just trying to get by is left out of the equation. It's more about winning elections for your guys than it is about achieving policy goals for your constituents. It's just how a lot of people feel about how politicians behave, and some of them say it's time to get rid of that system. Donald Trump ran on the promise of, quote, draining the swamp, of disrupting the political system in a major way. And now it certainly seems like he's thrown out the political playbook as president, siding with Republicans on some things, siding with Democrats on other things, siding with no one, it seems, in many cases. Think of the recent debt deal debt ceiling deal with Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer, for instance. Uh, The New York Times wrote over the weekend that Trump seems to be behaving more like an independent than a Republican. They say his administration could be the biggest disruption to the two-party system since the Civil War. Is that true? And if so, is that a good thing or is it a bad thing? Does it matter that Trump also hasn't really accomplished anything significant in eight months. Joining us now to talk about this is Evan McMullen. He was an independent candidate for president in 2016, former chief policy director for the House Republican Conference and former CIA operations officer. Evan McMullen, welcome to Detroit Today. Great to be with you. Thanks yeah. for having me. Yeah. So what do you make of this this piece in The Times over the weekend uh, about Trump the disruptor, uh, the idea that he's behaving more like an independent than a Republican? You ran as an independent because uh, you couldn't make headway uh, in the Republican Party to, to, to sort of get to this space of cooperation and focus on policy rather than politics. Do you think that the president has sort of maybe co-opted that space a little bit since he's been in the White House? Well, you know, I think the New York Times article was more focused on the president's relationship with members of Congress. And in that sense, yes, he's acting very independently. But I'll tell you, as, as you know, and as I think many of our listeners will know, is that his support base within the Republican Party is still very strong. His support is very high mm-hmm. among voters. And I think that's more significant. So I, I don't necessarily agree that he has taken such an independent posture now, because it, it matters less uh, what his relationship is with members of Congress in terms of where the Republican Party is headed than it does where his alignment with the voters among, in the party is. And, and right now, uh, he is, I believe, reshaping the party. Now, there are still there's still a sizable and growing number of Republicans who are concerned about uh, Trump's presidency or who have opposed him like me from the start. Uh, But uh, the the, the reality is that the vast majority of Republicans still support Donald Trump. And the the reality is, is that he is, I think, reshaping the party Mm -hmm. in his image and and leadership matters and leadership uh, 
has influence and, and consequences, and I, I think we're seeing that. And so if he's reshaping the Republican Party in his image, that, that I guess, from a structural standpoint, is a continuation of the two-party system that, that we have, just in sort of different clothing. Uh, talk about your independent run for candidate, for president and why you think somebody who's not aligned with either party is a better choice at this point. Well, let me just back up and say, with regard to what's happening to the to the Republican Party, you know, I expect that Donald Trump will run again as a Republican. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's some speculation in some recent articles. I think the article you referred to was one of them that he may run as an independent. Uh, but no, I, I think he'll run as a Republican. He's got a strong support base there. But what's happening, you'll notice there have been several announcements over the past few months of moderate Republican members of Congress, members of the House. Charlie Dent was one of the most recent ones from Pennsylvania. They're saying that they're, no, they're not going to run again. Some of these uh, uh, Congress uh, people have, have been in, in the House for a long time, sure. uh, Charlie Dent being one of them, and, uh, you know, for, for years, and now they're, now they're not going to run again. You know what's happening is that the moderates are 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 leaving the party, and uh, at least in Congress. And I think that reflects uh, the mentality of some of the moderates in the party in general. And whether they these members of Congress decide not to run again or they they lose in 2018, what I expect to happen is that you're going to have a smaller contingent of Republicans in the House, most likely. Um, or, and or either way, you'll end up with a, a, a Republican representation in the House that is more aligned with Trump than it is now. Yeah. And, and so you see that happening. So I do think that in the near term, you see the continuation of the two-party system. However, under Trump's leadership, I expect the Republican Party to struggle even more than it has in the past to bring people of different backgrounds, different faiths, different ethnicities into the party. And I, I think it risks becoming a party for, you know, just a, a certain segment of the population. And a party like that can't lead. So in that context, uh, I do think that there's an opening for some major disruption over time. It may be 5, 10, 15 years. But for a new party, people forget that the Republican Party was once a third party. Sure. Uh, and it replaced another party. And, and uh, it, the same thing can happen to it. Yeah. Uh, do you do you think that the system of government we have in this country lends itself more easily to two parties being sort of the dominant uh, fixtures on the on the on the spectrum rather than three? In other words, do you really believe that we could have a third choice that was viable and sharing governance, I suppose, with with those other two, it, that hasn't happened uh, f- very frequently in our history, and it, and when it has happened, it hasn't happened for long. It usually has been about the transition of uh, one party sort of out of of favor while another is coming in. Yeah, I agree. I mean, look, I I, I think that both parties are in both major parties are in dire need of of major disruption in a more positive sense and possibly replacement over the next, you know, however many decades. Uh, I just think it'll take that long to, to happen. The re- look, the reality is that our laws, as you pointed out, or as you, you, you maybe suggested by your question, uh, make it you know, very difficult for new parties to emerge. Yes. That's just true. It's hard to get 
if you're running for president as a third-party candidate or as an independent, it's very hard to get access to the debate stage. It's very, very hard as an independent or a third-party candidate to get uh, ballot access. I just, you know, lived through that. And so there are a lot of laws but, but that, that get in the way of, of change in this regard. But there are a lot of people who are fighting for change of, of those laws. And, and I, I think they're making progress. And, and I think over time they'll, they'll have success. But look, the reality is you can't have a party, a major American political party, that only serves people of one you know, ethnic or religious background. I mean, we're just too diverse, and, and we need, uh, you know, our major parties, in order for a party to be a major party, you've got to bring in, uh, you know, all kinds of Americans. And if, if your party starts to go in, into a direction when that's, where that's not true, you're simply not going to be able to, to lead and, mm-hmm. and over time win elections. I mean, Donald Trump won this last, pres- this last election. Yes, it's true. But there were, you know, a, a series of, of unusual circumstances uh, that I believe allowed that to happen. I mean, he, you know, over 11 million Americans more voted for someone else than voted for President Trump. So right. he, he didn't come anywhere close to receiving a majority of the popular vote. Uh, but he still won because of a bunch of irregularities, including, you know, third-party candidates who, you know, pulled from the, the, the vote, the Democratic vote, and, and you know, obviously Russia tampering or Russia influence and this kind of thing. Um, but, you know, I don't think in the long term, if, if the Republican Party is, is not going to open up to um, people of different backgrounds and make them feel welcome in the party, it's just not going to be able to lead. And by the way, I do think that the Democratic Party, I think we're going to see challenges uh, in, 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 in its process as well. I, my biggest concern with the Democrats right now is that they're going to have a very large primary uh, uh, slate of sure. candidates in the next presidential election. And we may end up with sort of a, a Trump-like figure on the left, a, a loud populist where the mainstream candidates are so plentiful and numerous that they divide the sort of center left mm-hmm, among mm-hmm. so many candidates that the person on the far left, the populist, uh, ends up ends up winning the nomination. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Evan McMullen, independent candidate for president in 2016, former chief policy director for the House Republican Conference and former CIA operations officer. Thanks very much for being with us here on Detroit Thank you. Today. All right. Uh, we're going to continue this conversation now with a slightly different voice uh, on the right. Saul Anuzis is a political consultant and former chair of the Michigan Republican Party. Saul, welcome to Detroit Today. Good morning. Yeah. So I, I want to pick up right where Evan McMullen sort of left off there, which was uh, assessing the Republican Party's future uh, by measure of how many people it can attract to vote for it. Uh, This idea of growing uh, along with the changes in demographics here uh, in the United States, he he seems to take a pretty dim view of it, that it's a party that's not growing its base, that's not growing its appeal. Uh, I I wonder if you would push back against that assessment. Oh, absolutely. Look, I think think some of his comments were just absolutely absurd. I mean, the idea that somehow the Republican Party or – President Trump is appealing to one ethnic group or one ethnic background. 
Um, I think that there were more African-Americans that voted for Donald Trump than any other Republican in the history that we've had so far. I think that the party is appealing to a broader group of people. I think we're a growing party. We have growing pains. But the reality is that um, I think a lot of new people came into this process um, and participated. And look, I think both parties have a challenge ahead of them. Um, I actually believe we're in the midst of a second American revolution. Uh, the good news is it's instead of the end of the barrel of a gun, it's at the voting booth. And I think people are frustrated with the Republican Party and the Democratic Party and want change. Yeah. I'm not sure we're going to have a third party emerge because of that change, but I do think we're going to have different kinds of candidates, Ron. I think we're going to have different types of uh, people want to shake things up. They're tired as, of politics as usual. So I think the idea that somehow this moderate wing or this kind of you know status quo anti-Trump wing of the party is going to emerge and be the saving grace of America or the party is is wishful thinking at best. Well, and let me let me let me let me throw out a, a statistic and have you respond to it. The Republican Party has won one popular contest for president since 1988. That's a really long stretch of time uh, for a major political party. Does that not? I mean, and at, at the same time, we've had this growth in uh, in demographic change, right? Uh, African Americans, right. Latino voters. You you point out that Donald Trump is 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 getting more black votes than anyone in history, but the numbers are abysmal. Ninety some percent of of African Americans don't identify with the Republican Party, don't vote for their candidates. Latinos, right? And pre nineteen sixty, the other way around. Right, that's right. I mean, so, so so I'm not saying we don't have challenges, and I think there's a lot of work to be done. But first of all, the the fact that somebody hasn't won a popular vote is completely irrelevant because we don't run a popular vote election. As you may be aware, I'm actually one of the Republicans who support the national popular right. vote state. We've talked about movement. that before. We ought to have a popular yeah. vote. But the fact is we do not run presidential elections on popular votes. We run them on an electoral college system based mm-hmm. on a winner-take-all system mm-hmm. that basically says whoever wins the most states uh, with regards to, to the electoral college is who wins for president. So you don't run elections based on popular vote. Ninety-five, ninety-seven percent of all resources in a general election on the Democratic side and the Republican side are spent in 10 states or less. So the, the fact that one side or another has not won a popular vote, or as Mr. McMullen has pointed out, that 11 million people voted a different way and therefore skewed somehow or affected the election is, again, irrelevant unless they were voting in swing battleground states. One of the problems we have is we elect the president of the battleground states of America versus the president of the United States of America. I think that skews politics and sure. skews public policy. But that's a different issue. To kind of imply that that has any negative effects on President Trump or negative effects in the Republican Party, I think, is, is really you know, a very far-fetched extrapolation. Yeah. I think the truth is, if we had a popular vote, I think Donald Trump would have won in huge numbers. If you take a look at the swing states and the close states that he did win in on the battleground states that he won in, on average, he won with over two to three percentage points in those battleground states, which is a pretty significant swing. And if you take a look at where a lot of. But, he, but, but, but wait, he, I mean, he didn't win the popular vote. He didn't. No, but, right. the, but, the, but the states that he won, the battleground states that he won, which are swing states, he won by two or three points. So my point is, is that if he would have been running a popular vote and if he would have campaigned in states like 
New York, California, Texas, Georgia, all these non-battleground states, I think the results would have been different. Yeah, I don't, I don't know that I, I'm, I'm not sure I buy into that, so I think, I think. Well, that's okay, uh, you have to buy into yeah. it. Just look at the demographic. I mean, he's, he's uh, he, this is somebody who, he wanted. yeah, this is someone who never polled above 45% nationally. Uh, before before election day, how would he? How is he going to get to fifty? Uh, I want to. I want to. Well, he got to fifty. He got. You know, he, he didn't have to. You don't have to get to fifty. That's the way the well, system works. You don't have to get to fifty. Right, but you're saying that if he, if we, if the, if the rules were that he had to get to fifty, that he would have. I mean, he did everything he could to appeal to to, to people across the nation. He he, he couldn't get past that forty five. Uh, I, I want to. Nor did any other candidate. Remember, those aren't the rules. That's a, that's an irrelevant. I hear you. That's an irrelevant fact. That's yeah. an irrelevant point. I want to. I want to. I want to switch the the conversation just a little to uh, this this idea of moderate Republicans sort of uh, stepping away. I guess from from the party, stepping away from office. We have Dave Trot, uh, one of the Congress people here in Michigan, who's announced this week that he's not going to run again uh, for Congress. The last conversation I had with him uh, was on Mackinac Island during the policy conference, and he talked about how difficult. It was to be there right now. How unhappy he was uh, in the role. You're starting to see that in some other places with with Republicans who uh, I guess would identify themselves as more moderate than uh, the hardcore base. You say that's not troubling. I, I, I wonder. I wonder. No, 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 I'm not saying okay. it's not troubling. I'm, yeah. I'm saying you're you're mixing things up. I mean, I think. Look. I'm very disappointed and sad that Dave Trott decided not to run. I think sure. he's a, a bright guy, a future, you know, a leader we had, a kind of person we needed in Congress, uh, had the independence and the, the, the work ethic and the philosophy to basically move things forward. So I think it's it's a loss for Michigan and it's a loss for his district. But I understand the frustration somebody like him has. I mean, this is a successful guy who is used to getting things done, and you go to Washington and you, and you see the – you know, kind of a swamp, getting stuck in that swamp and not being able to move things, not being able to be effective in the policy, and it's frustrating. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's necessarily – there are conservatives who feel the same frustration. So it's, you know, to, to kind of try to make this a philosophical battle isn't really, I think, a fair analysis. It is a systematic problem where, you know, you've got a establishment group of people who run government, who who have this – you know, influence, whether it's the 68,000 or more lobbyists that are registered uh, that have disproportionate amount of influence over members, whether it's the fact these guys are constantly in a fundraising mode. And obviously, in the age of Trump, there's a very new type of political environment out there where, you know, the president's able to communicate directly with the voters, directly to the people, where social media is playing a greater role, Mm -hmm. where the mainstream media is distrusted because of lots of different factors. And so all those things play into a very difficult environment. But it, I don't think it has to do with philosophically being more moderate or not. I mean, look, the last big deal the president cut was with Democrats, mm-hmm. and he gave up the strongest position Republicans had with regards to trying to hold the fiscal house in order, and that was to pass a continuing resolution. And so that was, that was a bit kind of a liberal move, let alone a moderate move, uh, <laughs> let alone a conservative move. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guest is Saul Anuzis, political consultant and former chair of the Michigan Republican Party. We are talking about the Republican Party and the two-party system more generally. Does that make sense uh, going forward? Is this going to be a country with just two parties or are we seeing enough dissatisfaction with the two parties uh, that we might see a third option emerge? 
perhaps from the center, as both parties seem to move further off into their political polls. What do you think about that? Do you support the idea of a third-party system? Do you think that would make things work better in Washington if there were three parties rather than two? Give us a call if you want to join the conversation. 313-577-1019 is the number on the phone. So that's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put your comments there, or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and uh, we will try to work you into the conversation. Uh, also, tell us what you think Donald Trump is doing to the presidency in your mind. In the next segment, we're going to talk with uh, uh, someone who's written an essay for The Atlantic about uh, Donald Trump and his uh, his effect on the presidency. Uh, Saul Anuzis, uh, political consultant and former chair of the Michigan Republican Party, I want to thank you for being here on Detroit Today. Great to be with you. It's always great to talk to you. All right, up next, we are going to talk with Jack Goldsmith. He's a former assistant attorney general under George W. Bush. He's going to talk to us about what Trump will mean for the future of the institution of the presidency. Stay with us and stay with us on the phones.